So I want to read 1 Samuel 14, and I'm going to read 1 through 14. Crazy, crazy story, guys. But if you're ready, just say amen. amen. 1 Samuel 14 says, One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migran. Everybody said he was chilling. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of, son of Eli. They gave a lot of descriptors there, huh? The priest of the Lord in Shiloh wearing an ephod. And then it just seemingly skips over what would be an insignificant detail and moves on. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. But how many of you guys know everything in the Bible is intentional? Do you guys know that? Like everything that is in there is for you. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. And it's so awesome because we don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us, right? It has a way about it to where it unveils revelation in the season and the moment that we need it. And for somebody reading that passage, you're reading about Ahitub. That is a very interesting name, right? And you're like, that's for somebody. And we'll get to that. Some of you guys are like, it ain't for me, you know. Look at the person next to you say, it's for you. So within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other side. What's up, Climb Nashville, REI, what's up? The name of the one was Bozes and the other was Senna. And the one crag rose in the north in front of Michmash and the other on, on the south in front of Geba. See, once more, look, we're, we're getting what we think is insignificant details, but they're actually extremely significant because they want to outline the challenge that is forthcoming for Jonathan and his nameless armor bearer. So Jonathan said to the young man who carries his armor, come and let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Now that's how you call somebody out. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. <laughs> Some of you guys are going to use that in your next argument. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish, Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan, Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. Me and you, buddy. One set of armor between the two of us. Right? And we will show ourselves to them. And if they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord. Everybody said the Lord. The Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, look at these Hebrews. They're coming out of their holes where they have been hiding. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, hey, why don't you come up here? I'm ad-libbing a little bit. And we will show you a thing, meaning we're about to whoop you. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. I love that. Because he didn't say, the Lord's given them into our hand. Right? He understood that his victory was the victory of the family. He was fighting for the family. God likes people who fight for the family and not just themselves. 
Look at your neighbor and say, you hear that? Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet and his, ne- and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within, within as it were half a furrow's length in an acre of land, which obviously means less than an acre. Right? obviously means that which we know is not big because of our plots of land in the new nashville right right not exactly spacious anyway so what's happening here guys this is a crazy story can we all agree it's a crazy story i mean here's what's happening right let me explain and kind of break it down to you because we got these seemingly insignificant details about this story so we have israel everybody say israel which is led, right, the nation of Israel, it's led by their first ever king, right, which has been installed, anointed, and appointed by the prophet Samuel. He has been acknowledged as the one true king of Israel, you know, who is leading the people of God in this season. And here he is in the midst of a war sitting, you know, at this place uh, that's up in this mountainous region called Gibeah. And the Bible goes so far as to say he is hanging out underneath a pomegranate tree. Now, I don't know what that suggests to you, but to me, suggests that he's chilling, sipping a cinnamon dolce latte <laughs> underneath a pomegranate tree, enjoying the shade, right? In relative security, being garrisoned down by 600 soldiers, right? Now, that's what's happening with Saul and the army of Israel. Now, on the other side, you remember how the Bible described all those different mountains? It's on purpose because the names of the mountains themselves actually define how challenging they are to climb. They're they're, they're defined by sharp outcroppings and large boulders. And so you've got this tremendous mountain that goes down and then a three-mile pass that's full of brush and then another big mountain to climb up, which on the other side we there see you know, what they call the uncircumcised, right? These are the enemies of God, right? These are the Philistines, and they're hanging out up there. You know, they're ready for war. They're ready for battle, but nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. You got the Philistines. You got the enemies of the people of God over here, and then over here you've got Saul and 600 people, and you've got a military here, and they're camped out, and they are sitting. There's a war happening. There's a war happening. Right? There's a war happening. But the people of God are satisfied sitting in a stalemate. They're simply satisfied by saying, it's okay. We don't have to attack. We don't have to actually take action on the anointing that God smeared upon us. We're okay just chilling here under the pomegranate tree with Philistines in our land. It'll all be okay. We're fine. We're the people of God. We're Christians. We're believers. We're the ones that have all the right theology. So I'm just going to sit here and chill out. Despite the fact that God has given me an explicit word to rid the promised land of Philistines, I am just going to sit back and I am going to chill, being satisfied with a stalemate. Can I suggest that much of our family, the people of God, that we sit satisfied with a stalemate while there's a war going on for people's souls? You guys are aware that there is a war going on for people's souls, right? 
You guys do know that Jesus truly identified a real enemy, right? Who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. So why is it that we would be satisfied with a stalemate when we have Philistines in our land? You guys okay? So, you know, Saul said, well, it's okay. It's fine. Look here. We have Ahitub, who is the son of, no, is it Ahijah? I can't, I got the names mixed up. Who is the son of Ahitub? Who is the brother-in-law of Phineas? Who is the dog's babysitter of Eli? You see, that's what's happening here because he's breaking down this priestly connection and we recognize how distant it is. So why is it that Saul would appoint this rando, right, to become his priest when he has access to Samuel? He has access to a prophet that has been elevated to a status that would proclaim the direction for the entire nation, the one who anointed him, and yet he is not listening to the words of a prophet. He has simply appointed himself a fake chaplain with some hereditary connection to the priesthood, and he's got the young man reluctantly serving in an ephod. He's got him standing, manning the ark of God. I can just see him now, picking his nose. Are you guys not getting this picture? Like, he's like, dude, all right, man, yeah, yeah. And there's proof of that because later when this battle starts to, starts to rage, right, Saul cries out and starts giving orders to the prophet. Rather than the prophet prophesying, giving direction as he had been through Samuel, Ahijah's like, okay, yeah, um, I'm just here to maintain the status quo. Oh, you don't want me to touch the ark? Oh, you want me to wear this outfit? Oh, you want me to do whatever I need to do to make you feel better about your religion? I'm here for that. Which is why we can sit satisfied in a stalemate is because we can appoint chaplains that make us feel good about the presence of godliness all the while sit under the shade of a pomegranate tree and deny the power of Yahweh. Uh, This is better than some of you are saying amen. Because the people of God can't simply coddle up to a semblance of godliness, which is really just civil religion, which is completely devoted to maintaining the status quo when we follow Yahweh, a God who challenges the world as it is, who has a passion and a kingdom to advance, to transform nations, resurrect the dead, bring people into salvation, work miracles, and write history. Are you guys with me or what? But this is where they are. They're sitting, satisfied in a stalemate. So what happens here? Point one, if you're taking notes. Jonathan, this is the journey of a world changer. This is the journey you're going to have to take if you desire to write history with God. Is he no longer will sit in a stalemate. Jonathan says, nope, I will not sit any longer. I've heard the lip service of Ahijah. 
as he goes through his religious routines, as the people of God sit under the shade, well protected without taking any risk. I cannot sit while Philistines are in my land. I cannot sit while human trafficking is happening in the world. I cannot sit while systemic poverty is happening in my city. I cannot sit while people are not fulfilling their purpose and living up to the great call of God that they've been given. I cannot sit while all of my friends go to hell and I don't say anything about it. I cannot sit without doing something about the anointing and the promises that have been prayed over me for my whole life. I refuse to sit. Come on. That's, that's the first thing that a world changer has to endure. They say, nope, getting up. Nope, don't care what, you, what the crowd is doing. I'm getting up. Nope, don't care what the, you know, civil religion people are doing over there playing patty cake on Sunday. I'm getting up. Is this too much? I'm getting up. Because I got a fire that's burning on the inside of me, and I'm not going to allow it to be shut down by the conveniences of the pomegranate, which is a delicious fruit, by the way. I had a lot of it in India. It makes for great milkshakes. But it's symbolic. He's, he's just enjoying. And, and, and Jonathan's like, hey, bro, dad, there's a war happening. What? What? I just clicked through that stuff in my newsfeed. Right? You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. Hey, Dad, there's a war going on. Oh, I just thought that was something. Some, that's somebody else's problem. You are the anointed. You are the beloved. You are the one that has been raised up to bring change and transformation to society. If not you, then who? Why do you care about it if you've not been given grace to do something about it? Some people ask me, I don't know what to do. I would get up, but I don't know what to do. And I ask, I say, well, what burns your biscuits? What just hacks you off, man? What upsets you? Because if it gets, in Kentucky, they'd say, it got down in my crawl. Yeah, y'all don't know about that. But it, what is it that's on the inside of you that just cannot deal with that? Chances are that's an anointing, right? That's some grace that God has put on you to do something about what bothers you. No, 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 that doesn't look like heaven. I got to do something about that. Right In Revelation, it talks about how the people of God will move forward until the kingdoms of this earth look like the kingdoms of our God. Until they become the kingdoms of our God. That's right. We'll burn your fist. Hey. <laughs> there, are, there are a couple of things that, that burn mine, I'll be honest with you. But here's the thing. I'm not justified because... I'm agitated, right? I'm not a world changer because I tweet about it. I'm a world changer when I get up, right? And I say, I'm not doing this like this anymore. Y'all can stay over here and, and keep doing what you're doing and get value out of having the title soldier, but I'm actually going to go and do what it is that God called me to do. So he gets up. Look at your neighbor and say, get up. <laughs> get up. So what happens next? Here's point two. 
is that world changers run with other world changers, right? This is what Jonathan understood. He didn't go solo. He didn't go solo. He didn't go by himself. He didn't say, oh, I'm just, I'm, nobody else will help me, so I'm just going to do this all by myself. He knew where to go. He went to his armor bear, and he said, listen here, man. I got a plan. It's not a great one. But it's a plan nonetheless. And here's the plan, bro. You and I are going to hike down this mountain. Yes, I know. They have been nicknamed because of their danger. But you and I, we're going to hike down it, bro. And then we're going to go three miles through the bush. And then you and I, we'll take turns because we only got one set of armor between the two of us. And it's pretty heavy. But we'll take turns carrying it. And then we'll go up the mountain, which has also been nicknamed for how sharp and dangerous it is. But as soon as we get there, you and I, the two of us, will show ourselves to at least 20 soldiers who are armed. <laughs> and the armor, armor bear is thinking, go on, you know, thinking it's going to get better, like there's a turret gun up there or something, you know, like some kind of saving Private Ryan equipment or something, you know, but there's none of that. You know, there's none of that. He said, and then when, when we get up there, if they say to us, hey, stay right there, then we're going to retreat, and we'll know that, you know, God's not on this. But if they say to us, come up here, here's what we're going to do, man. We're going to attack. <laughs> and the armor bearer's like, so let me get this right. You want to hike like four or five miles, two dudes, one set of armor, and you want us to expose ourselves to an entire garrison of uncircumcised enemies? Yeah. What do you think? And he says, you know, that's a really dumb plan. But I am so down. Let's go. He's like, he's lit, you know, he's like, yeah, let's do this. This is how you know you're rolling with world changers. Yeah. Is when they will listen to your dumb plan and do it anyways. Yeah. They'll say, you know what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But I'm in. Let's roll, man. Because this is what Jonathan says to his nameless armor bearer. He says, hey, maybe God will show up for us. And the nameless armor bearer says, I can roll on a maybe. Jonathan says, I can roll on a maybe. See, changing the world is not going to happen because you are so sure of everything that you're going to do and everything that God's going to do. But you're going to have to roll out with a world-changing friend on a maybe. If you're waiting for the perfect time, let me tell you something. Perfect time don't exist. If you're waiting on the perfect time to get married, let me tell you something. It don't exist. If you're waiting on the perfect time to have kids, let me tell you something. It don't exist. If you're waiting on the perfect time to plant a church, here's the thing. It don't exist. If you're waiting on the perfect time to start a business, become an entrepreneur, you know, do something in ministry, step out, start preaching. The, the perfect time don't exist. The enemy's going to make sure that you don't get that opportunity. But what God says, if you will risk it all on me and give me your man, Maybe I will show up with my faithfulness and bring you victory. This is what God says. And this is what's in Jonathan's heart as he's stepping down the rocks. 
Maybe. He never gets more than a maybe. You notice there's no angelic interruption. Nothing stops him halfway there and says, let me give you some more revelation. And, and undoubtedly, the closer he got to that Philistine garrison and the bigger their fort got in his eyes, I can imagine there might have been some doubt, right, that the enemy was tempting him with and, and that promise and that maybe may, may, may have started to shrink just a little bit, but he said, oh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's going to show up. Notice this partner that he has. I mean, Jonathan, you know, he's great. We hear about him today. But this partner he has is not famous. He doesn't have any street cred. He doesn't even have a name tag. He is recognized in the Bible as armor bearer, which tells me is that being famous is not a prerequisite to having an impact. I know sometimes people are like, well, when I get there, well, I know people who are there. They don't feel like they're there, all right? You see what I'm saying? Like, that's not a prerequisite to having impact. You can have impact even if history forgets your name. If you want to write history, if you have that desire, if you want to write history with God, you have to be okay with the history books leaving your name out. Because it's not about you, it's about Israel. It's about the family. Are you guys with me? It's about the family, right? He's not even well-known. He wasn't even rolling with a well-known person. And sometimes people think, oh, I can only be successful if I roll with those guys. Because they'll give me a leg up. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll open a door for me. They'll, they'll share my name with somebody and they'll invite me. But he said, instead of searching for the people with positions of power that seem to only be interested in maintaining rather than changing, I need to move. Here's the thing, man. I see movement happen a lot through grassroots organizations and through Jonathans that say, I'm just not dealing with this anymore. Sometimes we see, you know, people of prominence, and uh, those are great people to work with, but if their only interest is, is protecting their position, you got to move, baby. You guys with that? You got to move. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to move. So what is it that Jonathan and his armor bearer was able to receive as they walked this pass? They got to a point where they said, okay, there they are. We are about to show ourselves to them. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Who, you going to carry the shield or you want me to carry the sword? You know, who's going to wear the helmet? It, got, it gets real, right? So he says, okay, let's go. Let's do this. So they step out and they say, if they say to us to come up here, we will know that is a word from God and we're going to attack. Here's point three. World changers have a word from God. They have a word from God. It's not that you step out on nothing. It's that you step out on a promise. It's that you step out, and it might look like a maybe, but you do so in such a way that you're saying, God, unless you speak, I will not go. Unless you speak, God, I will not go. It's not a good idea. It's got to be a God idea. I can't just, you know, use good ideas to navigate my world. It has to be God ideas that lead me in the direction I go. 
Because good ideas rather than God ideas could just be distractions. Right? Could just be distractions. And here's the thing. It would be terrible for you to grow old one day and be on your deathbed and recognize that you lived out a lot of good ideas. But didn't take a risk on any God ideas. And that's what Jonathan said. I can't deal with that reality. I have to go. I have to move. I have to make this happen. And they get there and, you know, they're looking up and they're like, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? And they say, hey, come on up here. We're going to whoop you. (laughs) Right? Like they had like a dude standing out front like Conor McGregor who was like talking so much trash. For those of you guys who know who he is. Let's go. We're about to whoop you. And he's like, okay, you got the shield? Let's roll. So they're rolling up, man. And, and Jonathan just starts taking them out. And then the, the armor bearers running behind just. There's <laughs> another one. Isn't it? Right? I always wanted to do that. You know, it's like they just start taking them out. They have a word from God. They, they went after it. You know, up until this point, these three points that I've shared with you guys thus far, you know, you can kind of fake it until you make it with all three of these things. Because you can be somebody who talks about change. You can be somebody who says, you know what, I'm not sitting anymore. I'm getting up. I'm not going to roll with the crowd. I'm getting up. I'm going to do something about how I feel and about what God has spoken to me about and what moves me on the inside. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to say something about it. And I've got friends, point number two, and I've got friends who are going to do it too. I've got friends who are going to say something about it. I've got friends who are going to do something about it. And we're rolling together. And you know what? We have a word from God. I got a prophetic word a few years ago that I was going to do this thing and I've been praying about it and I know that God has anointed me to do this thing. But here's the deal. Until you cross the point of no return, you've not done anything yet. You can be all about that life. You can have friends that are all about that life. You can even have prophetic words and words from God. But until you cross the point of no return to where you expose yourself and you say, I'm going to take a risk here and all I've got is a maybe, but I'm going to cross this point of no return. I'm going to burn my ships. There's no way I can turn around from this. Either it is victory for Israel or it is failure for me. But I'm willing to take that risk because I trust in the nature of God. He's so good. He's never left me. He's always protected me. He's always granted victory to the people of God. Therefore, I go. I go. How many of you guys know two-thirds of God's name is go? Go. See, the reason why Jonathan snuck away, right? He snuck away. He was like, I'm not going to talk to my dad. I'm just going to sneak away. It's not that he was trying to dishonor his pops. It's just he didn't need to consult with a man. He had already talked to God. He said, you know what, listen, I love you, but you guys are chilling, and you're not doing anything, and you got a word, and you know you've been anointed. You're the king. You're sitting there under a pomegranate tree. I love you, but I can't deal. I got to go. I got to do something about what God's put on my life. I'm rolling with my friend. Nobody knows about him, but you know he's down, and so we're in, and I got this word from God. Whoosh. I got to step over that point of no return. I got to step, that's point four. World changers step over the point of no return. They put it all out there. Uh, You know, my friend Matt, he's here. He has a boat and uh, it's a cool boat. 
But we go out on the lake sometimes. We need to go out again, by the way. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there publicly. Um, but, but we go out on the lake, and there's this, at, at Percy Priest Lake, there's this big, like, cliff. You guys ever jumped off it before? Just Ryan. Okay. And Stephen. We jumped off it together, maybe. Holding hands. No, that's not, that part's not true. Okay. No, we, we had a dude's day one time, and our wives, they get together from time to time, and they go to Virago and eat expensive sushi. And when, when we went, we made bologna sandwiches. So, say. Right? It was our choice. Sometimes you just got to be a rugged world changer. Eat bologna sandwiches together. But, you know, as I was down there on the boat with my bologna, Looking up at that, at, at that cliff, it didn't seem that big. You know, to be honest with you guys, it looked pretty fun. I saw other people jumping out. <laughs> Look at them sissies. You know, they're up there complaining. Like, they're looking off. They're going, oh, I can't go. Okay. I'm like, I got, my, I got my fam with me. I ain't going to sit here, stay on this boat. I'm going to get up there. I'm going I'm to jump off. I'm a cliff jump. I'm a cliff jumper. World changer. Right? And I get up there, and then I look over the edge, and I'm like, dang, okay, wow. But this is how it is with the journey of a world changer. You get up, you get out of your boat, you know, you go with your friends, you got a word, yeah, I can do it, I know I can do it, I know I'll make it, maybe I'm, I know I can make it. But then you get to that point where you actually have to take action on all these things you've been talking about and all these things you and your friends record podcasts about and all of these things that you've talked about, you've received from the Lord, where you're like, dude, I got to step, I got to actually take action on this thing. And right now I'm missing my baloney. You know what I mean? I might be safer at the shoreline. I don't know about jumping off this plane. I don't know about doing this. But there comes this point where you're like, I just got to go. And so you're like, let's do it. And you jump off. And for a split second, you think you're going to die. But that's what makes cliff jumping fun. That's what makes life fun. That's what makes ministry fun. That's what makes business fun. That's, that makes what, what going into the seven spheres and risking everything on a word you've received from God, that's what makes it fun is that you cross a point of no return. You say, dude, if God doesn't got me, all I got to maybe, but I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I trust he's always caught me before. He'll catch me again. I'm crossing the point of no return. I'm burning all the ships. I don't care who criticizes me. I don't care who says what. I don't care if I've offended the people who are stationary. I mean, the aggressive always offend the mediocre. It's like, I am going for it. I'm going for it. I'm just going to cross that point. I'm just going to whoosh. And if you don't know why you're alive, jump. Because that's when it gets fun. If you don't know what your purpose is, jump. Because that's when the adventure starts. Like if you're not having any fun as a Christian, like you're not surrendered. You got to jump. If you're not having an adventure as a believer, you got to yield. And you got to jump. The abundant life that Jesus paid for on the cross is there for you. But it's you don't have access to it sitting in your boat, eating bologna. You have access to it when you're like, now I know why I'm alive. Look how awesome this is. I'm going for it. 
This is the journey of a world changer. This is the journey that all of us have been invited to enjoy. Do you guys believe that about yourself? I can tell you, you're in a house today that believes that about you. And even more than that, all of heaven believes that about you. So what we're going to do as we close is we're going to sing a song, and I'm just going to invite you guys to engage in worship. And as we worship, I want to I ask you, just step out and go for it. Hey, listen, you're not stuck. You've just stopped. Can I tell you, you're not stuck. You've just stopped. And I know sometimes we say, oh, I'm in a rut. You know what a rut is? It's a grave with the ends hollowed out. It's not a place of life. Just keep going. If you're not seeing everything that you want to see right now, just keep going. I promise you that three-mile walk, it wasn't that easy. I can promise you that exposure to the enemy, it wasn't easy. I can promise you that they probably had some fears in doing that, but more than their fear, they had the faithfulness of God. So they crossed that point. They wrote history and they changed the world. So, if this has been you today and you feel like, dude, that's it, man, that's me. I'm not sitting anymore. I just want to invite you to stand up. It doesn't have to be you. You don't have to feel the pressure to do it. But if you just need to stand, man, just let take a symbolic act and say, I'm not no more. I'm just, I'm standing up. And it, don't worry, eventually we'll all be standing. But if 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 some of you guys just got some friends that are like just totally chilling and like you know I like playing Fortnite too but if all they do is play Fortnite and smoke weed you need to stand up and sneak away oh dang that was too real okay so um right you move on hey you're a grown up you got kids you're a world changer you have a destiny you have an anointing it's time to stand up and roll with people who are like, dude, I don't know about this, but I'm, I'm down. I'm with you. Yeah? If you don't have a word, we're going to release a word to you today. In Jesus' name, we declare the release of a word. And if you don't have a word, just pursue somebody who has a word and roll with them. Be their armor bearer. Maybe it's not your season to be a Jonathan. Maybe it's your season to be an armor bearer. I tell you guys, I was an armor bearer for years. I, I, I had a towel I carried for my pastor that he sweat on. Nobody asked me to preach. Nobody asked me what my name was. But I brought his Bible up. I set it down. And at 2 a.m., I went and got him a burger if he was hungry after he got off the flight. And I detailed his car. And I cleaned his kid's diapers. And I did his dry cleaning. I'm not putting in a I'm not putting in a job opportunity for one of you guys unless you feel it's the Lord in which case I only got paid 100 bucks a week so just saying But for some of us we need to learn to serve before we deserve You know before we step into the fullness of what's on your life maybe you need to serve somebody that has something on their life and go for it last thing for, for you guys who have all that stuff and maybe for you who have none of that stuff I just want to pray a risk taking spirit on you today that God would just give you an I told you so anointing 
Just that thing that Jonathan Kerry is like, I ain't cool with Philistines in my land. I'm about to deal a death blow to the enemy itself. So right now, God, we just release your people. And we just declare that no longer will they sit satisfied with a stalemate. No longer will they stand alone by themselves without anybody to roll with them. No longer will they be without a word. Lord, I just pray for openings, spiritual eyesight, spiritual hearing, Lord, that they would be open to receiving your word, your direction, God dreams, not just good dreams, but God dreams. Lord, we release them today in Jesus' name, Lord. May the Spirit be the wind at their back that pushes them out into the chaos, into the free fall, into the storms, into the wilderness, into the risk where they say, maybe God will show up. God, we commit ourselves to your hand and we say, you will always show up. You're a good God. And we fall into you right now in Jesus' name.